Episode 200 of the Hop Nation USA podcast. And boy, oh boy, I'm just going to throw this out real quick because there's a good chance we might have some new listeners. If you want to email us, just hit us up at hopnationusa at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at hopnationusa. But with that, I am your host, Steve. As always, I'm here. But you know what? For our faithful YouTube watchers, I have a bit of a surprise for you. I'm no longer going to be the floating head. (laughs) (laughs) I've gone out of my way to purchase a zoom camera so we can look face to face. And that's partly because of the episode we're doing tonight. But of course I'm your host, Steve. My co-host Adam is always here. Of course. I must say, first of all, congratulations for breaking out of the computer and the cybernetic world that you were in for the last 14 months. Mm, sort of it's still congratulations you're I'm still you're, part of you're it. into the 3d realm now yeah fair enough everybody can see the grays <laughs> in my beard for real and know that that uh, little animated head i made was you know relatively accurate <laughs> yeah you get to live in my world now where everybody gets to see the the beard and the hair start to get a little whiter and a little whiter as the year went along yeah but Welcome. also you know, I felt it would be disrespectful to our guest tonight to make him talk to the floating spatial head. <laughs> <laughs> because this week we have a true Pittsburgh legend on the show. Yes. Tonight we get to talk to Rick Seaback. Welcome, Rick, to the show. I, I, I'm honored to be here. I didn't realize I was 200. Yes. I thought it was 100, so I was wrong. 200, that's excellent. Yeah, we've been doing it for and four you've years. you've never appeared before? You've just been a floating... Yeah. No, I've always been a floating head because I was simply just did not own a camera when the pandemic started. Like we didn't start doing these uh, Zoom shows until the pandemic started. And then I didn't buy a camera. And then it just kind of became the bit that I was an animated (laughs) cartoon head stuck in the computer. (laughs) Huh. And and did its mouth move as you spoke? It did not. I I could not figure out that technology. (laughs) (laughs) welcome (laughs) thank you thanks for having me on my own show (laughs) but yes of course we still are going to talk beer and we're going to talk to rick tonight all about the things he has going on and all the films he's made and beers he enjoys and just a little tease rick has his own drink that we get to talk about and i might have a little bit poured up for myself on the side but uh (laughs) First, let's get into the beers we're all drinking tonight. And uh, I'll let Rick go first because he is our guest. I, I have, uh, I took my glasses off. I have an old Thunder. Ooh. Toe Motorin American Pale Ale from Old Thunder Brewing Company, which I understand is in Blonox. Um, I, w- I got these interesting beers from uh, Pete Kurzweig at Independent Brewing Company in Squirrel Hill. Um, and uh, I, I, I had... Uh, I had one one uh, brew gentleman in my f- uh, fridge, and I told Pete that I said I, I need you know a couple of other interesting beers. So he was very generous. And this one, uh, you know, I've never been to Old Thunder Brewing Company, but I love Blanox. Uh, my favorite Thai restaurant is there. So uh, oh, nice. I thought, 
So are, are, are we actually starting? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. I, can, I can open this. And actually, uh, because I stopped last night and uh, saw Adam, I can uh, use my Pop Nation glass. Oh, that is a of, thing of beauty right there. A little bit of proper glassware. <laughs> it's a little bit of a big head, but I, I've never used this glass before. Yeah. So, <laughs> You'll get used to it. <laughs> um, but uh, it looks good to me. It smells good. I so said we, we've had some uh, we've had some old thunder on the show before. Uh, I'm a fan of their of their beers. Uh, and I believe they just opened up their brewery space, their their bar and, and such in the last week or two. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, cool. So they are they are open to the public officially now. So I have to make a trip out there. That's going to be bridges and tunnels to get there. <laughs> but I think that'll be worth it. That's bridges, tunnels, and 28. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> That's the unholy oh trifecta. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I like what they're putting out too. And you know, we're excited to get into that space at some point. Hopefully talk to them. Yes. I say it's really good. It's, it's a little, um, maybe a little peppery. Hmm. Um, but uh, very, very good. Nice. Uh, nice. Happy. It's a uh, American pale ale. So that's my uh, little bit, a little bit of spice, but not too like yeah. overwhelming. That's cool. No, not at all. In fact, uh, it tastes great. Good. Awesome. I think I, I think I was a little bit thirsty too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really throw stones because I'm about halfway through my first one already. All right. What is that? So I have something from Verona. This is the Inner Groove Five Foot Bunch. This is their Hyphavizen. And this is the first time that I think I have had anything from Intergroove on the show. And I got to say, this is an absolute winner. I am a big fan of Hefeweizen's second week in a row. I've been able to have one of those. Uh, to me, Hefeweizen's are an absolute staple when it comes to the beer portfolio. If you can make a good Hefe, you know what you're doing. Uh, this one, uh, like I said, I had already gotten into this one, so... <laughs> When I poured this out, it did have a nice fluffy head to it, like most Hefeweizens and wheat beers should have. So right off the bat, I already knew they were doing something right. And what's nice with this beer, since it's a Hefeweizen, uh, it's supposed to have a good banana-y flavor to it. And with the name Five Foot Bunch, you would expect that. And fortunately, Intergroove absolutely nailed it. And it's got a good banana flavor to it. It's got a touch of the clove that you would expect with a Hefe. But... It's much more on the banana side. And from what I'm drinking so far, I think this is probably one of the five best Hefeweizens I've ever had. Wow. And so I, I am I am really impressed with this beer. I am a fan. That's a lot of praise, especially for somebody who drinks a lot of Hefeys. How well, many pubs do you think there are in Verona? Is it just one? Inner Groove? I, I've been to a, a brew pub in uh, in Verona, and I assume that's the one we're talking about, Inner Groove. Uh, they had uh, the Pittsburgh Smokehouse truck there uh, ooh, ooh. on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, I follow I follow the Pittsburgh Smokehouse <laughs> truck. And, um, I stopped by, but then I went in and had a beer too, and it was really great. And it was a it was the night. I was that's pre pandemic. Um, yeah, it seems very free and easy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Remember those days when you could just go up to the truck and walk into, <laughs> you know, into the bar, and everybody was having a good time. Uh, we we will get back there though. We will yeah. one yeah, way or another. Back. We'll get back there. 
Yeah, especially, yeah. I mean, weather is getting nice now. A lot mm-hmm. more food trucks are showing up again, so it's pretty easy to just go somewhere and, as long as it doesn't rain. The food truck business hasn't been hurt that bad mm-hmm. by the pandemic. Um, you know, that they, uh, uh, in fact, uh, my friend Andy uh, Winsco, who runs the Pittsburgh Smokehouse, said that the whole idea of a food truck showing up in a neighborhood uh, really took off during the pandemic, that, you know, they could just come and park in a neighborhood and people would know that, oh, we can come get dinner, don't have to cook, mm-hmm. you know, something different. Um, and he said that uh, he was enjoying that quite a bit. Yeah, and it's all takeout. So, yeah, of course it works. <laughs> and it's something a bit rare where you can be together but separate at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, uh, they don't have to have tables outside six feet apart. <laughs> all of that. Right. They, you just come get the food and take it home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how about you, Steve? What do you got in the glass for, uh, for segment one? So for myself, I have a bit of hop farm going and it's called their dark side of Larry. And it is a dark Czech style, uh, lager. I'll put it up here on the screen. So you can see, mm. yes, uh, it's a dark Czech style 4.8% on the ABV. And it's got a real nice, uh, like maltiness to it but it's not overly uh, like caramelly. It's not overly sweet in any way. It just seems to be very balanced. It's a really good kind of dark beer that also like reminds me of Doppelbox, things of that nature. This sounds like a kind of beer that would be right up your alley if they added a little bit of smoke to it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If they smoke this beer, it would be probably one of my top five how about that <laughs> you would just park yourself at the bar and just say keep them coming yeah because it, it has pretty much all the callings of you know some of those schlenkerla beers that we've had in the past mm-hmm. of the maltiness you get a lot of the same backbone flavors but it's yeah it just doesn't have the smoke but yeah otherwise it's a really good beer awesome yeah i don't i don't believe that i've seen that that must be a new one from hop farm i don't believe i've seen that out and about yet I think I, I think I saw it come out a couple of weeks ago, but other than that, you know, Hop Farm has got that kind of new distribution into the areas that we shop. Mm-hmm. So we've been seeing a lot more Hop Farm at like House of Brews. And I saw this one and I, and I like darker lagers, so I picked it up. And we like Hop Farm, so what's not to lose? Yes, both. <laughs> both are <laughs> <Yes>. good. <laughs> so that's what we're drinking in segment one. And now we're going to get into our guest because... We've, you know, it's episode 200. We have to celebrate the show. And obviously we're celebrating with a Pittsburgh legend because our show is also a Pittsburgh legend. How about that? <laughs> At least in our own minds. Yeah. I'll, I can stay humble, right? <laughs> are, are most of your guests Pittsburgh people? Um, we have expanded a bit again because of the pandemic, like it, yeah. it opened it up, but like most of the time, yeah, we're speaking to a lot of breweries in Pittsburgh and as things are opening up, we can't wait to get back in and start talking to brewers and letting them tell their stories. Mm-hmm. So, but we also kind of like the ability that we've had to speak to people all over the country that these zoom episodes have opened up. Cool. Yeah. yeah but first and foremost, I want to get back in the breweries. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, mentioning hop, I used to go to Hop Farm all the time, but uh, I haven't been there in a long time. But I think that's the truth of a lot of places. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we just haven't been out and about. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've got a mental list going of once everything is is back open up and I'm comfortable, 
I'm going to have me a Saturday (laughs) (laughs) where me and my Uber driver are going to have a really good day. Sure. (laughs) I mean, they'll get paid and you'll get (laughs) driven around, (laughs) carted about. (laughs) Maybe I'll treat myself and just get a limo for the day. Sure. You can do that too. Uh, I mean, might as well invite friends to split that cost, but yeah. Yeah, sure. You can come, Steve. Rick, you can come too. Okay. I remember you said that. But uh, yes, for the people listening, because Rick, we are a bit of an international show. We do have listeners in Ireland and Germany, and we do have listeners all over the country. So for the people who don't know, Rick is a documentarian who has been working with our local PBS station for over 30 years at this point. And he's made documentaries about Pittsburgh, but also things across the country, like amusement parks, you know, hot dogs, flea markets, everything and anything under the sun that is unique and has a flair for, I would say, just a down-homeness, you know, a very blue-collar sensibilities as well. Uh, is that fair? <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind that. Uh, yeah, I, I always say, you know, I, I try to find uh, parts of American culture that maybe we take for granted and mm-hmm. see if I can celebrate them. That's That's sort of the, you know, the way I, I, I look at it, whether it be sandwiches or <laughs> cemeteries or whatever, it, uh, you know, various parts of the, of the culture that, uh, you know, pay a little bit more attention to. I mean, but I'm, I'm totally convinced that if you look at anything long enough, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, And I guess like uh, going to film school, like you kind of learn when you do documentary film, you learn to find the stories you know, even if it's quote unquote mundane, you kind of learn to find the stories because every story has a person behind it. Right. And so that's why, you know, you're talking about things people take for granted, but there's a lot of stories behind all of it. And I think one of the best examples is there, you did a series called things that aren't here anymore. And then stuff that is gone, which was a lot of Pittsburgh things that, you know, they're, people don't get to experience because they're gone, of course. Uh, but you had interviews with people. Um, I, I was watching the uh, episode where you interviewed a, a woman who did the party line uh, radio hour. <laughs> Wendy uh, King. Yeah, Wendy King. Uh, her and her husband did the party line radio hour. And then you were able to talk with her in a more modern day setting and looking back at that. And she obviously has a story to tell with you know coming up in very early media especially in pittsburgh on kdka like when that was one of three stations to listen to maybe (laughs) well i mean it was it was a clear channel station so especially at night people all over the country could get it and that's when party line was on um and uh actually i often use it as an example uh i think party line was on six nights a week you know, for 12 years, and then it was on five nights a week for another 20 or something like that. An incredible amount. And when I did that story, I went to KDK Radio and said, you know, what have you got in the way of an archive of, uh, you know, Party Line? Nothing. Mm. They didn't have one. Oh, they didn't keep wow. a thing. No, because you know what? Back then, you know, in those days, people didn't think, oh, we need to make a tape. We need to keep this, you know. Um, that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I would say, in general, people assume that TV stations and radio stations have vast archives, <laughs> and that's totally not true. Um, 
Actually, I saw somebody sent me a, a thing that I'm sure all the stations in town have video about the opening of Century Three Mall. And I thought, like, mm, probably not. <laughs> you know, they may have been there, but I don't think they kept any of that. Um, there are bits that they have, but usually they're squirreled away by someone who works there, who had a connection or something. And sometimes that's what you got to do is find the person who has the goods, you know. Um, and uh, Wendy was, uh, I, I've used her sometimes as an example of uh, persistence. I, I, I just kept calling her. I, mm. I really, I, I remembered that show from when I was a kid because my grandmother listened to it religiously and my mother often turned it on as well. And KDK radio sort of ruled at the time. It was AM, you know, 1020. And her husband had died. I'm going to say he died in 1970 or 71. And she hadn't really talked about it since. And, but I, I, I thought, no, well, you know, let's see if she'll talk now. And, you know, it was many years later. And uh, I, I just kept calling her. You know, and we it was fun to talk to her and to hear her voice again. And uh, finally, one day she said, listen, I think I'll do this, but I'll only do it if you'll do it in my attic. <laughs> I said, wow, that's All spectacular. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and uh, in order to get to her attic, you had to go through her clothes closet. And we, you know, so we, we, we shot all that. We, we you know, we uh, taped all that and, the, the, and getting up the stairs and all of that to where she had boxes, um, not of tapes, but of memorabilia and files from when she did the show with her husband. And it was merely a matter of he was doing this show at night and then she would just go in and sit there in the studio with him. And then all of a sudden it just started to make sense that he would talk to her because she was there and mm -hmm. so you know she wasn't originally a planned part of the program but uh, she became an indispensable part of it so she passed away a couple of years ago um i got to go i remember to the uh, memorial service but she was a great woman and you know a voice that for a long time everyone in pittsburgh knew and you know it's another example of uh you know no matter how popular you are <laughs> once you're not there on the on the screen and all of that you know you'll fade fast uh yeah. But, but at least you were able to, like, you know, again, make an archive and have some record of her story. Oh, right. And, 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 and through her, I was able to find someone in her family who had saved some tapes. Hmm. And, and so we have tapes and you can hear them say, you know, hello, party line. <laughs> um, the, the thing was, there was a call-in show, but you never heard the caller. And they would, uh, you know, sort of rephrase everything as they heard it, um, the technology existed at the time to put the caller on, but they didn't want to do that. And so uh, as a seventh grader, I knew the answer one night uh, to their, one of their questions, they would have these party pretzels where they would ask a, you know, a trivia question or something like that. But it was something we had just had in school, the bird with the largest wingspan. And I knew it was the South American condor. And so I called. My mother said, "Go call, you know, call, tell them that you know it." And I got through. And I, you know, and you know, I, I remember Wendy answered, and she said, "You know, hello, we have a young man on the phone from Bethel Park, and uh, you know, he says he knows the answer to the bird with the longest wingspan, and he says it's the South American condor." I wasn't finished with my sentences before she was re-saying them yeah. over the air. So, um, 
but it was it was a good time and I was a, it was some great memories and then I was really happy to meet her and have a chance to talk to her about all that so awesome that's what I get to do that's what makes my job so excellent <laughs> and I mean the best thing about my job is it changes all the time and you know uh, yeah you get tired of something you know it's going to be totally different in two months you know it's going you're going to be working on something else mm-hmm. so that that brings up a question whenever you start down a path is that something that usually you begin because of a personal interest or is that something that's sort of planned out as a as a group and a team or is it kind of a case-by-case basis how do you get get started down a path yeah it, it depends it, it's it's different every time i guess the longer i've been there the more input I have in it. I mean, when I started at QED, I got assignments. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I had worked for 10 years for, or 11 years for public broadcasting in South Carolina before I came back to Pittsburgh. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I went to school in North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And then I worked for 11 years in South Carolina for public broadcasting. So I had learned that lesson that when you think something's not going to be fun or interesting or something you could be very wrong you know all you have to do is go in with that right attitude and you know uh and and i remember when i worked in south carolina my boss there saying to me rick um you're not going to like the sound of this at the beginning but i think this is a really good uh chance and an opportunity for you she said um we were a state agency there. Public television was a state agency in South Carolina, still is. And so sometimes we had to do things for various other state agencies, somewhat like an ad agency almost. But she said, the governor's office wants us to do a show on rural water and sewer conditions. <laughs> it sounds like a real humdinger. <laughs> and, but she knew, she said, you know, she said, but uh, you're gonna work with I.D. Quincy Newman and I think you will find that very interesting. And it was an astounding experience. I.D. Quincy Newman was the head of the NAACP all through the civil rights era in South Carolina. He was so beloved by so many people and he had the best stories. I mean, incredible, incredible stories and incredible personal stories as well. And I mean, and. I got to just drive around South Carolina for like two weeks with him, checking out possible stories, seeing what we could see where, you know, where, where were there little problems with rural water and sewer conditions? Um, and some of them were scary and some were just, you know, pitiful. And uh, he dealt with them all. He worked in the governor's office and he was, and now when I drive into South Carolina, if I drive down to Columbia where I lived, um, as you come into Columbia on the interstate, that is the I.D. Quincy Newman Highway. And I just always think like, wow, you know, he's a highway. <laughs> he's he's immortal. So, um, but I mean, that's the kind of thing. And so I, I don't really mind the assignment, but, um, you know, uh, and I, actually the most recent uh, national shows I've done for PBS, I did one called A Few Good Pie Places and A Few Great Bakeries. That started out as uh, three programs about pies. And I proposed that we do sweet pies, savory pies, and pizza pies. Mm. And the guy I was working with at uh, PBS, Donald Toms, he said, um, I don't think we're gonna go into 
pizza. Let's just talk about sweet pies and maybe savory pies. And then he came back to me at one point and said, what would you think about pies and cakes? And I said, you know, I don't love a cake the way I love a pie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right I there said, with you. And I said, what if we did bakeries? Because I love bakeries. And he said, oh, that'd be okay. And, and, you know, and then he greenlit those two programs. And it ended up being, you know, a labor of love. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I hope I get to do another. I, I put a proposal in last March which I said is like really terrible timing. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things happened for people last March. It wasn't great timing. <laughs> I look at it now and I say like, you know, it looks like a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I put in a proposal to do uh, four shows about numbered highways because I, I think that's my, one of my like ideal things. I, uh, I just, I love that highways connect everything and, and it gives you license to do a story about anything along that highway and you know make all kinds of weird connections and that kind of stuff so um i i still wouldn't mind trying to do that but i don't know what the status of that proposal is or how do we survive <laughs> it or you know is it is it a uh, it's a nice way to travel i mean yeah you can get I, in the big I, I, you can get in the big ones like 79 80 66 <laughs> no, i mean I, I i i sort of didn't want to do interstates but i didn't want to rule them out because I know that, like, I mean, I did a show about the Lincoln Highway across America. Mm -hmm. And there are places, like, in Wyoming where there's not a two-lane option. The two-lane is under the interstate. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, you, you, can't, uh, you can't always be on the, the funky old uh, two-lane. So um, I still love to drive. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if we do anything east of the Mississippi, we drive. And I like that very much. Um, you know, if we're going to go to the West Coast and to Montana, I would still like to drive, but it's too expensive to get <laughs> yeah. through. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, it. Uh, I, I hope that that doesn't die totally. But um, I've also been thinking of things that would make a good show. I mean, what I like to try to do, and what PBS likes, I think, is that we try to find subjects that are truly multicultural mm. where we show like how a bakery can be Japanese bakery in Sacramento. Um, you know, it can be uh, uh, African-American young woman with a truck in Durham. I mean, we, we covered all those things. It's, you know, they're all bakeries and they're all really fun. And if you just take the time, you'll learn to love them. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I, would you possibly consider doing a, like a beer fest focused because you know what? it's really funny. I mean, like, obviously I, I think like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have thought of it. Mm -hmm. um, although I remember real early on at QED, I proposed doing pubs of Pittsburgh. Yeah. And was, you know, told no way we didn't want to encourage drinking. Right. Um, I think that whole thing has changed. I, I you know, and, and uh, so um, you know, uh, yeah, but I thinking to the future, uh, we have barrel and flow fest that's occurring in the South side works. And that's obviously like a multicultural event, uh, because, but there's also a whole bunch of other beer fests across the country. Like you have October fests in Columbus, Ohio, you have you know, some, uh, 
more stranger ones that are out in the west we, we so. have fresh fest that right here in pittsburgh well uh, that's what barrel and flow fest has become or oh i fresh, see oh, that's their yeah, name fresh fest became barrel and flow. yeah 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 um this this is the first year it's not called the fresh fest right right yeah yeah right. it became barrel and flow but uh, yeah that's that's a huge multicultural event because it's not just beer it's music it's art it's food i was gonna yeah. say I, I i often think it's the best beer festival that i've been to yeah. um, oh yeah. agreed absolutely agreed <laughs> yeah it's really it's just, up there it's so wild and it and it uh it lets you know of a world you didn't know existed mm-hmm. you know? um i i think you know i've been to beer festivals like at the uh, Cary Furnace, um, and you know they're great fun, but there isn't that mix of people, and you know that's right. what I loved about mm-hmm. the Fresh Fest or of Barrel and Flow. Yes, right, yeah, Barrel and <laughs> Flow, yeah, yeah. So like the one at the Cary Furnace, that's Beers of the Berg, and that one's pretty. That one's pretty good because it focuses on Pittsburgh breweries, and then there's the one that's like at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center, and that's all very corporate, and that one's even more. Uh, I don't think I've ever been. Yeah, yeah. Don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one. That one's for like young kids to just go get wasted at. It's not. Say, Steve, your your gray beard is starting to talk now. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm old. Here, <laughs> I don't need to put money in their pocket. I don't care. <laughs> Say, I, I can't really make fun because I'm older than you. So yeah. But uh, well, I mean, I I can remember, you know, in in my. Uh, the first hour-long documentary I did here in Pittsburgh, which would have been in 1987 and 88, I think, called The Ma and the Al and the O, mm-hmm. um, I went to Iron City Brewery because I wanted to show that, you know, Allegheny River water came in and became Iron City beer, you know, and then we had great shots of people on pontoon boats drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at that point, uh, you know, Iron City was unusual in that it was a great local beer. Right. You know, if I if I went back to visit friends in South Carolina, they would assume I would have at least two or three cases of Iron City <laughs> and Icy Light in my car. Um, now, I mean, what would you do? There's so, so many beers. But I think the most amazing thing is that beer tastes so much better. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Than it ever did when I was in college or <laughs> anything. I mean, talk about, you know, the gray in your beard. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> I, I mean, beer was like, you know, it was almost water. And it was, it, now it is just like, you know, so many different flavors and tastes and, you know, the effect of this kind of hops and that kind of hops. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's endless. It's just, and, and it's, and it's wonderful. It's like an explosion of, uh, pleasure that you didn't, I know, I don't know that I would ever have predicted it or, you know, but I think it's a, it's a wonderful part of modern life. Yeah. I, I assume it's a little bit maybe like in the late 18th century when there were a lot of little local breweries and, mm-hmm. You know, if you went to this town, you would have a different beer than if you went to this town and it would depend on, you know, yeah. which part of Germany that guy came from. Right. Or, <laughs> right. You know, yeah, um, you're absolutely right. And a lot of it is also dependent on like just kind of the crops that we have compared to what was in the past. Like you're talking about the hops. We have so many different hop strains compared to like the three or four that were pre 1800s. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, were they around? You think really. they've been like genetically modified now that they're new or yeah, yeah. it's a lot of, them? yeah, it's a lot of crossbreeding. I mean, I think, yeah. 
I think there is some wild ones that were maybe found, but I think there's a lot of crossbreeding and then just like climate temperature where they're grown. Cause we're getting a lot of stuff that's grown out of New Zealand and Australia. Now uh, there's a lot of things that come from South Africa. So yeah. Right. No, I, I think we did a, an amusement park up in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the hop harvest time of the year when we were there or something. And I just thought, Oh, I never thought where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to think like 1700s, most of the time hops were grown like here in PA. Right. But like nobody had even moved into Oregon. Like that was. <laughs> right. There was no Oregon. <laughs> yeah. There was no Oregon. <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, you know, Lewis and Clark is until 1803. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I don't know that, I don't think there was a, a, a Native American beer. Um, but. Um, uh, not that I know of. They may have had some sort of uh, like maybe corn fermented, the uh, corn fermented uh, drink mm-hmm. or something like that. But I, yeah, my history isn't good enough. Uh, beyond that, you start getting into stuff like the chicha, but that's more yeah. central I, and southern America. Right. Exactly. I think everybody yeah. had their own, uh, you know, specialty drink. But yeah, it wasn't like a beer as we would know. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I don't know what 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 makes something a beer. You know, is there a what, what is the basis? Does it have to be uh hops, water, barley, and yeast? That's it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's the old German Reinheitsgebot. So yeah. if you if you go by that, as long as it has those four, <laughs> it's beer. <laughs> but if you if you post that question on Twitter, you'll get eight hundred different answers. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> then people, yeah. yeah. People get into Swedish sauties and then you have like more French made spruce tip beers that didn't really rely on hops. So yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> It's the Wild West. Beer is just the Wild West. Yeah. But, and, uh, and that's great. Yeah. For sure. It's great. It's really nice. So, speaking of beer, though, let's get back to the ones that we were drinking. Uh, Rick, if you would like to come back to your old thunder, how's that treating you? Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And uh, I just thought I, I might pour the rest of it in this glass. I'm sorry. There we go. These are hops over here. I don't know what, what the, the background is supposed to be. I was based off a, a video game that came out, Cyberpunk 2020, uh, 2077. I don't expect you to get it. It's fine. <laughs> what was the name of the game? Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, not even my co-host is really into it. It's just something no. I'm into. <laughs> well, no, it's funny. I Because of Mortal Kombat coming out, I, I oh, heard yeah. it on NPR. Mm. And obviously the woman who was doing the interviewing that was the game she played right when it came out and i just thought like oh that's it's it's like tv shows uh, i mean i was totally addicted to video games <laughs> but the, i knew a different generation of games than right she i don't think i've ever played mortal kombat but uh you know uh there's one that i remember liking very much called quicks um hmm. q q u x i think it was how it was spelled Okay. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a primitive early game. I mean, we were playing Pac-Man and Space Invaders. and So, like, maybe on an Atari or a Commodore 64, maybe? Uh, no, totally in a, an arcade. Oh, oh okay. the, big, the big console boxes. Yeah, yeah. I, I never ha- I've never had an arcade. I mean, I never had a box. Um, there was a, a great place in Columbia, South Carolina, when I was living there, uh, called Frank's Hot Dogs. And they had great hot dogs. And I mean, they had breakfast in the morning, great hot dogs at lunch and at dinner. But then they had a, a back room that they had pool tables and lined all the way around with uh, 
you know, consoles. Yeah. I mean, that's, mm. that's the way everybody played video games at first, I guess. <laughs> a quarter at a time. A quarter at a time. And how many quarters did I put in those? <laughs> <laughs> um, House payments. Well, uh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, you can think about that. How many quarters did you put in? Uh, we're going to take a quick break and All we'll right. come back with segment two. And I'm actually looking forward to talk about Rick Seaback's new cocktail, also mm. known as the gentleman's breakfast. So we'll get into that in segment two, and we'll be right back. First Sip Brew Box is a -a one-of-a-kind subscription service for craft beer lovers based right here in Pittsburgh. Every month, First Sip will send you a box full of craft beer enthusiast essentials, including t-shirts, glassware, and even food. Right now, our friends at First Sip Brew Box have an offer for you. Just sign up for a three-month subscription and get your fourth month free. Just enter the code HOPUSA when you sign up at firstsipbrewbox.com. That's H-O-P-U-S-A at checkout to get your fourth month free at firstsipbrewbox.com. Welcome back to episode 200 of the Hop Nation USA podcast. I'm still Steve. Adam's still Adam. And Pittsburgh legend Rick Seaback is still Rick Seaback. <laughs> uh, That's right. That ad break did not change that much on this show. No, I didn't. <laughs> but uh, yes, we're also still drinking beer. So let's jump right into our beers for the second segment. And I'll go first. And I'm drinking some brew, gentlemen, tonight. And I've Ooh, got... Very nice. Yes. Uh, some people are participating in uh, no IPA May, but that's not me because I have a brew gentleman overgrowth, which is very much an IPA. But uh, yeah, it's uh, nice, refreshing. It's an American pale ale brewed with Nelson Sauvignon and Mosaic hops. Anybody who knows the program knows that I love Mosaic hop beers. And obviously that's why I picked this one up. 5.2% on the ABV. And I tell you what, when you pop that little Red Bull can that they have, it's incredibly fresh. Like it hits you right on the nose. Adam, you'd hate this beer. <laughs> I, I Yeah, as a participant of no IPA May, I, I would expect that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it's generally kind of soft, but there is a bitter back end to it, which is what you would hate. And uh, it also just has a lot of bright citrus notes on it. But yeah, good drinking beer otherwise. I'm enjoying it. Adam? So taking a look on, on the video version, mm-hmm. uh, does it have a bit of haziness to it there? Yeah it's, a, it, yeah, it's hazy. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a very light pineapple juice. So it's definitely New England-esque. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know that people de- define New England anymore. I think it's just like, man, this is the way IPAs are now. We don't so filter. It's, <laughs> if it's not West Coast, it's New England. Exactly. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Adam, what are you drinking? So for me, uh, I have something from a, a new brewery uh, in Harmony, uh, Union Brothers Brewing. This is their sauced. Uh, it is a blueberry mango sour beer. Uh, this clocks in at 5.5% ABV. Just like in the last segment, I kind of got into it a little bit. So it doesn't look that great on camera, but looking at it here live, it does have a nice kind of a deep blueberry puree kind of look to it. Okay. Uh, it's really good. Hey. I, I really like it. I I know we've had Union Brothers on the show before. I really yeah. like the sour program they got going on there, and this is another winner. Yeah. I, 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 I like what they're doing. 
Yeah, we've yeah we've had the sauce before. I think it was the mango, just pure mango one that we had previously. Believe, yeah, yeah. This is I, this is definitely not a diet beer. I will tell you that. <laughs> no, it's candy desserts. <laughs> it's, that's all it is. It's treats. And and what what fruits were involved? It was blueberry and mango. Sounds good. Oh, it is delicious. Oh. And it it. it it's labeled as a sour, but this again goes back to sort of the few fruit puree sour where it has more of a tartness rather than a straight up sour. Steve, I think you, you would be about this one. Yeah. I like, I like previous versions from sauce series. And again, you know, you're saying it's so fruity and sugary that it kind of balances. So yeah, I'm into Oh yeah. <laughs> you drink two of these, you'll be bouncing off the walls. Great. <laughs> <laughs> And Mr. Seaback, what are you drinking this segment? Well, I haven't opened anything yet. I, I, I also, I mean, I, I also have a uh, brewed gentleman here. Um, oh, nice. Muchos Mahalos. Mahalos. Muchos Mahalos. Oh, there we go. There you go. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to do that, but I, I wanted to acknowledge that that's probably what I drink the most of. Uh, brewed gentleman. gentleman. Hmm. I live in East End. I, I live in Regent Square. It's a quick drive down Braddock Avenue. Um, you know, I can I can be there in ten minutes max. Yeah, and uh, I like the way they've set up the delivery system now. I mean, I don't think they canned a beer before the pandemic began. <laughs> Not really, and, no. No, but I, I used to love to go there. They always had uh, again, <laughs> you know. Drink is not my problem. Food is my problem. They always had great food trucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, and uh, so, uh, in fact, I, I, I miss the uh, – used to be on Wednesday nights there. They uh, And, and I, I think they've closed the, uh, the little bar there, but they, have, they would always have uh, the Piper's Pub truck outside. Mm. And the, the fish and chips and the fish tacos there were just – the best. I mean, that would get me there. Yeah. <laughs> and I would try the beers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so, and, and, and I said to the guy one time in the truck, I said, you know, I think this fish sand, fish and chips is better here off the truck than it is in the restaurant. And he said, well, it's because we're, we're, we're cooking it to order. <laughs> right. Yeah. You get, you get the fresher oil out of the, yeah. Out of the fryer. And, and, and you get it as soon as it's ready. You get yeah. it. You walk right into the, into the bar there and everything. So, um, but I, I do love their beers, and uh, you know, somebody comes to town. I always like to try to have some uh, brew gentlemen. And when when they first started, they actually sent me a uh, a four pack, uh, and I, I did a little video about it on my front porch um, because it was so nice and unexpected. Um, and I think their cans are beautiful. Yes, yeah, yeah they're very they're fine. very simplistic, but they stand yeah, out. You, what you you called it something? You called it a oh, it, just the way that you're designed. They're very similar to the Red Bull cans, oh, really? like the, like that energy drink because they're only about twelve ounces. Like most of the cans we're used to nowadays are sixteen ounces. Yeah, they're they're also taller than the normal twelve ounce twelve ounce kind of stubby can that you would find like Iron City or Oscar Blues in. So yeah, right. they, they I believe they specifically designed their cans, which is really nice. They're they're yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yes, and, and uh, I'll I'll say as somebody who doesn't like to drink a whole lot at once, a twelve ounce can like that is perfect. Yes, well it's funny because that's what I I also have a an, an East End uh, wheat hop here, mm. um, and uh, I, I like East End beers a lot. I I helped them a lot when they first started this ninety neighborhoods thing. Oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah. 
doing a different beer for every neighborhood. But and it's funny because I, I hadn't realized until I read something recently, and I thought, oh, you know, I used to go to all those, every one that I could. <laughs> um, and uh, it's been, you know, because of the pandemic, I don't think they've been doing them so much. But uh, you know, there were many yeah. neighborhoods. I <laughs> oh, I remember Overbrook was a great time, and there was one over in the, uh, I guess, the Mexican War streets. Um, there was, there was a great beer and I mean, all over, I, I, Scott's been very, very kind to me too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah. then I, 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 just because your beer, Adam interested me and this is only uh, 12 ounces too. I, I may try this. This is, uh, my, my great friend, Matt Conrad in who lives now in Silver Spring, Maryland. He, he brings me beers when he comes to town. And, uh, this is called Dutch monkey. Oh, Oh, okay. And it's a sour. It's from Seven Locks Brewing in Rockville, Maryland. And uh, I just like the idea that your fruity beer, and this says with strawberries. Ooh, interesting. So See, we're, uh, we're having a virtual fruit salad right now. <laughs> yeah, and I like the way yours look too. I don't think this is quite that fruity. You know, it doesn't have uh, the, the, uh, the depth, but. I also want to say, I, I, I like beer out of a small glass. Yes. You know, uh, often when you go somewhere and get a draft, it's in a giant, you know, uh, thing. But if you, sometimes in thrift stores and stuff, you'll see old beer glasses. And, and I'll pick them up just because I like the fact that they're, you know, a quick beer. Oh, yeah. So. Old, old thrift stores are great for older glassware and as well as steins. Like if you're looking for old beer steins, you can find a lot in thrift stores. I've picked a couple. I've picked a couple of them. <laughs> I just say that this is the most strawberry beer I've ever had, and I really like it. Oh, nice. Um, say, strawberry is usually one of those flavors that's really hard to capture in any sort of quantity because it's mostly water. So it's hard to to be able to capture that flavor. So they must have done something really good. Uh, yeah. I, I really like it. I mean, it's it's you know, what was it called? I was called Space Monkey. It's called. I'm sorry. I think I said Dutch monkey. It's called bitch monkey. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> Dutch <laughs> monkey. I read it as Dutch, but it's bitch. <laughs> bitch monkey sour ale with strawberries. Huh. I, I would do this again. It's uh, you know, for times when you find yourself on a bar stool and not in a kayak slicing through Great Falls, you've got your next adrenaline rush covered. This is a sour ale that unleashes a tart reminder that life is short, but water is rowdy. Hmm. So, nice. I like it. it uh, definitely also sounds like an outdoorsy beer, though, as well. Nice fruit flavor. Yeah, I mean, at a picnic, it would be great. Mm-hmm. So I, I find it very You said this was near Rockville, Maryland? That's was where they're out of? Yeah, Rockville, Maryland. Don't so go back there to is, Rockville. There is actually a whitewater... Uh, training facility right near there on the Potomac. Oh, maybe that's what they're talking about. So I'm curious if that's the tie-in there. Yeah, the the bitch monkey has an oar and uh, is in some kind of canoe, see? Oh, yeah. That makes sense. That's got to be it. (laughs) I wonder if there's some sort of local nomenclature that we're we're just not keyed in on. Yeah. Yeah, Some Baltimore. (laughs) Mango. (laughs) I would say this is a surprise and a really good one. Nice. Um, I don't know. I, I, I learned a lot about beer um, at Piper's Pub. Mm. Um, yeah, that's I'm a good place to learn. It must be 
Oh boy. Could it be as long as 10 years? Like seven or eight years, I would guess ago. Um, my, my friend at work, Manette C, said uh, she knew a guy that worked in the kitchen at Piper's Pub. She said, let's go for lunch. And we went to lunch um, and one of our waitresses uh, tweeted, <laughs> Rick Seaback and friends from QED are here. And uh, this guy whom I now am good friends with, Mike Nielsen, tweeted back, oh, please invite him to hashtag as is tradition. And I saw that. And so I responded to him and said, what is hashtag as is tradition? <laughs> and it was Thursday nights at Piper's Pub. Mm. It was beer enthusiasts. And uh, I made so many great friends. I mean, friends for life. Um, you know, going on Thursday nights, talking about beer, drinking beer. I, I usually wouldn't even specify which one I wanted. Hart Johnson, I think, is still the bartender there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would just say, Hart, what, what should I drink tonight? And he would always, you know, make a suggestion. Um, I can remember the first time he gave me a sour and I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, because of that, I, I learned a lot and I, you know, it was a great time too. So. Yeah. And Piper's is one of the few places like not just in Pittsburgh, but like in the world that you can get uh, what's called real cask ale. I know a lot of people are looking forward to that coming back. (laughs) No, I can remember hard saying, you know, you want this, it's on cask tonight, you know? So, yeah, uh, I, I, I learned a lot there and I, you know, uh, I would say it's a major influence. Um, I think like on my social life as well as on my beer understanding. <laughs> so, beer is the great equalizer. doesn't matter who you are. If you're there with a beer in hand, a good conversation will take place. Right. Yeah. Everybody, it, it becomes equals. Yeah. So along with the beer we're drinking tonight, I also have a little sidecar going. And <laughs> the sidecar I have was graciously provided to us by Rick. And it is his very own cocktail that comes to us by way of independent brewing company. Another place you've been spending a a good amount of time at, but why don't you tell us a little bit about the cocktail that you have inspired and is now sitting in my glass and I'll drink on it and tell you what I think. All right. Well, you know what? I've actually brought a, a bottle of it myself here and I, I, I've, I've not yet had one out of the bottle. Um, oh. They make them fresh there in the bar. Um, and the first one, uh, uh, I did two shows for PBS, uh, Breakfast Special and Breakfast Special 2, Revenge of the Omelets. And uh, at that time, uh, I think Independent Brewing had just opened or uh, was recently opened and they sent me a note and said, hey, we have a drink that we're going to name after you. Why don't you stop by? And so that's why it had, they had two names. They weren't sure if I was going to be upset or say, no, you can't do that. Or, you know, you owe me a million dollars. But uh, so it had two names, A Gentleman's Breakfast, which was an allusion to these breakfast shows that I had just done. Um, and then, uh, or the Rick Seaback. And I said, well, you know, I'm totally flattered. And on the on the little keg they had there, it said Rick Seaback. So um it uh it's basically an old-fashioned and instead of using simple syrup it uses maple syrup um and and i fully intended uh for tonight to try and get the uh correct uh garnishes <laughs> <laughs> um but I, I i didn't have an orange in the house i had a lemon so i put a piece of lemon 
uh, peel in here. And uh, you're supposed to have a piece of orange peel and uh, a, uh, a chunk of candied bacon. Yeah. Which completes the whole breakfast theme. A little orange juice. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, unfortunately, bacon. I also don't have. Yeah. So yeah. here's. I just have a little. I, I put mine in uh, a WQED 25th anniversary uh, cocktail glass, uh, which I think is kind of nice that they did them uh, for the 25th anniversary, which would have been in um, 79. Mm. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, um, th these are um, amongst QED people. We love these glasses. And, uh, <laughs> That's an absolute classic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's very nice. It's nice. Ooh, that's very smooth. That is. That's yeah, You know, I don't, I don't think they specify the kind of bourbon, but. Um, I, it was going to be a but I'll not ask it then. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that tastes great. Yeah. Um, and, and those are available at Independent Brewing, <laughs> and they're nice enough to make $2 of every bottle sold will go to WQED. Yeah. It, um, it, it's nice. I mean, I looked on it as a chance to help them survive. I mean, I know it's been rough for all kinds of little businesses like that to uh, to survive. And actually, uh, because of the drink and all of that, I got to know Pete Kurzweig and uh, Adam Henry. Adam Henry actually made the drink. Mm, okay. And uh, he's now, I think, a little more associated with Hidden Harbor, which is next door. Mm -hmm. But they both own both of them, or, and along with, you know, they're, they're the two visible owners. And uh, the uh, Hidden Harbor wasn't open yet when this when the drink first came out. But, uh, I mean, they're very careful about everything. Their kitchen is great. The food is great. Um, uh, the drinks are spectacular. And uh, so during the pandemic last summer, you know, some people make sourdough bread during the pandemic. Um, I've been baking cookies. And, and I, I make these cookies based on an old recipe of my mother's. But I add all kinds of ingredients. They're sort of catch-all cookies. And I just made a batch, and I saw on Facebook that it was Pete's birthday. So I texted him, and I said, hey, are you at the bar today? And he said, yeah. And he said, you know, I'll be here from 3 on or something like that. And um, I said, I'm going to drop by. He said, come early. So I was there by 4. And he said, we'll have a beer here on the sidewalk. And we did. And then he said, no, I, I got to go. He said, I'm really sorry, but I'm playing records tonight. <laughs> And I said, what do you mean you're playing records tonight? And he goes, on Wednesday nights, we play old vinyl records. And I'd never noticed that on the front of the building, it says Inter the Independent Brewing Company, beer, cocktails, uh, something vinyl. And you know, vinyl is part of the whole shtick there. And he has an old dual turntable from uh, his college days, you know, so you can set one up and all oh, of nice. that be sort of an amateur DJ and... Uh, so I just said to him, I, I want to do that. I said, we love that. Um, and I, I said, you know, I, I have a huge, I still have all my vinyl from high school and college and all of that. And I said, uh, uh, you know, I'll bring my own records. And he goes, that's even better. So um, I, I think I've done it every Wednesday since. Um, and it's, it's been, it's, you know, for the, during the pandemic, it's been something that I look forward to. And uh, I'm all by myself. I, you know, there's a bartender usually within view <laughs> and uh, where you pick up your to-go orders. They do a lot of food to go. Um, that That is not far from where I sit at this dual turntable. But uh, 
you know, I wear a mask all the time and except when I'm eating or drinking something and, you know, um, it's, it's just been a really wonderful, I don't know why I like it so much, but I play uh, what I hope is an unpredictable, totally eclectic mix of records. <laughs> so when, when you get into that, do you have a set plan of the kind of a genre you want to dig into for that evening or is it just on the fly? Um, yes and no. Uh, um, sometimes I plan in advance. Um, I, I, I did two nights when I, I played, but I mean, it all depends on what I have in my collection. I, I have a significant collection um, in my spare bedroom and I hadn't touched it in 20 or 25 years. But now I've been through it many times and I keep going through it and discovering <laughs> things. And because I've been doing it for so long, you give yourself license to play with things that you might not have done in the early days. Mm -hmm. um, and so tomorrow night, I'm going, or I know the Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, I'll play, I'm going to play all soundtracks. Ooh, oh, nice. So, I mean, soundtracks are great because they, some of them already provide that weird mix that, you know, you, you might have a classical number next to, you know, uh, a doo-wop song kind of thing. Um, and that's really what I like. I said, you know, uh, I, I, I like to put artists up against each other who you might not ever expect. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, so if you, if you can play uh, Marvin Gaye next to Ray Bolger from The Wizard of Oz singing If I Only Had a Brain <laughs> or something like that, that's the kind of thing I like. And, you know... Um, I, I, my collection is really, I, I like most music, but especially with a vocal. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, you know, a, a lot of people singing. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I played two nights when it was just songs about rivers. Nice. You know? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> it's really a good. fun thing. Um, I played uh, one and a half nights of just Beatle covers. Oh, cool. So, um, and and that was that was fun and popular, and it included not only people covering the Beatles, but the Beatles covering someone else. Oh, okay. So you know, nice. if, if they could. Um, and as I go through, I, I you know, I, I think this soundtrack thing could last at least two nights. I, I <laughs> um, you know, because so, sometimes sometimes the soundtrack is in an unexpected place. Like I, this morning, I discovered. Oh, I thought. Oh, I was just going through a, a stack in my spare bedroom and I saw the soundtrack to La Bamba mm. and that's Los Lobos. And, mm. you know, um, I'll play some of that tomorrow night. Uh, and oddly today in the New York times, there's a huge article about that movie. It's huh. 30 years old. Oh, that's, oh, okay. That's serendipitous. Yeah. Actually it's 34 years old. Cause it came out in 1987, but they fought, they did a, a follow up article because it was one of the first, Latino-oriented movies. Mm -hmm. It's the story of Richie Valens, who died in the plane crash with Brian right. Holly, um, like one year after he started to record. <laughs> hmm. um, and so it's, you know, sort of a tragic story. Um, but uh, Lou Diamond Phillips played him. And so they interviewed Lou Diamond Phillips. They interviewed the director of the movie. It was unusual. But I thought, oh, you know, just by serendipity, I, I pulled that mm -hmm. out this morning. Um, and uh, read that article today, so you know uh, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, was uh, say so was there any any artist or genre that you kind of rediscovered through this, going through your archives, that you kind of lost through time and then came back to? Wow, that's a really good question. Probably many. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, 
I always have kind of had a, uh, a love of country. So, you know, um, I think sometimes we forget about that. Um, but uh, there are bands that I'd forgotten how much I liked. Um, the DBs. It was a, a band from North Carolina and I was at school in North Carolina. And so I remember that. But, uh, you know, other things that, I mean, I have more CDs than I have vinyl <laughs> because I tried to replace almost everything. In fact, I was asking a couple guys last night, does anybody have a vinyl copy of Bat Out of Hell? Hmm. Um, because I think I probably had one at one time, but I, I, it's not up there now. Right. Um, and I, I know I have a CD of it, but uh, Jim Steinman, who wrote all those songs, just died last week. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, it would be nice to play some of that just because I love that album. And uh, I, I saw Meatloaf live once at Graffiti <laughs> in North Oakland. And it, it, I, it's, I would say it's one of the best concerts I ever saw. Um, it was in the off years when he was playing places like Graffiti. <laughs> right, right. You know? yeah, he wasn't playing, you know, the Civic Arena or something. But uh, he had two girls in black leather jackets and fishnet stockings. And they were singing back up but they treated him with such disdain. <laughs> they didn't want to have anything to do with them except that they were singing back up. And it was, it was a great shtick. I mean, I assume it was shtick, you know, <laughs> but it was well played and it was really fun. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah, I mean, just get, getting to, to remind yourself of artists. I mean, I, I saw Warren Zevon once at Graffiti too. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, uh, I, I love those reminders of, you know, cool things you got to see. And uh, yeah. actually, I played a lot of Jules Shear. I don't know if you know that guy. He was in a um, Jules and the Polar Bears. And then he's written a lot of songs that became hits for like, uh, uh, I don't want to say Madonna, but uh, people but like Pop X. Yeah, Pop X did various songs by Jules Shear, but he's from Squirrel Hill. Oh, okay. And so I like that. And I actually, I've started a, a stack of all Pittsburgh. I would do one night at least of all Pittsburgh, you know, right there's all kinds of crazy things. And um, I love that uh, Billy Strayhorn is from Pittsburgh and he, he wrote stuff for Duke Ellington, uh, including take the A train. I mean, that was Duke Ellington's theme song, but that was he, Billy Strayhorn met him downtown at the Stanley theater. Someone introduced them and Billy Strayhorn was a phenomenal pianist here in town and doing all this stuff. And Duke Ellington said, I want you to come to New York. And he gave him directions, including take the A-train. <laughs> and, and that's where that song comes from. But uh, Billy Strayhorn also wrote Lush Life. Okay. And many standards. I mean, really great, great songs. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah. I love playing with all of that. And one of the great things is you've mentioned how you're spinning records at independent uh, and, you know, a lot of people get to enjoy it by walking up, but also there is a uh, digital component to that, that people can watch you spin records on Twitch. On Twitch. At, yeah. At twitch.tv slash independent PGH. So exactly people can, right. people can check you out on Wednesdays and watch you spin records. So, yeah, I yeah. think that's pretty cool. I, uh, I like it too, because friends all over the country can do it, you know, can, can tune in and, you know, click on the link and all of a sudden yeah. my friend Sandy in Houston is listening and my friend Buck in Florida is listening and, you know, Louise in South Carolina, they're all listening in and it's fun. That's awesome. So uh, I, one quick question before we wrap up this segment, 
but uh, I wanted to ask you if you could go back to any of your docs that you've done in the past, is there any one that you would like to update? Because like I, I watched a recent one of not recent, but like 2013, you did the best sandwich in Northside, and obviously our culinary uh, repertoire, I would say, in Pittsburgh has expanded yeah. since then even. But like, is there anything that you've, you've done that you would like to go back and revisit and update because you found something better that you want to add to it? Huh. I, you know, it's a great question. Um, I've often thought, uh, you know, uh, I did Holy Pittsburgh early on um, and I wasn't sure I wasn't, uh, you know, how goofy could I be? How, how, you know, religious did I had to be and all of that? Um, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, looking at that again, but um, I also know that, uh, I mean, I, I would in a second redo hot dogs, uh, hot dog program. I would redo sandwiches. Those, those are two of my most popular national programs. And um, yeah, things have changed. I mean, the O has closed. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that was the last story in my national show mm -hmm. about uh, hot dogs. And the way we usually put a show together is we go out, we gather all this material. And then based on something that uh, another producer had told me there at QED, you want to pick your best story and put it first. Your next best or equally best you want at the end. You want a nice strong story in the middle. And then you want to string the others like a necklace in between. The O was no question the the only story that could end the show. Mm -hmm. It was so great, absolutely, and it was like in our backyard, you know. And uh, so it, uh, I, I will miss the O forever. And they, they had great natural casing dogs. That's that's like sort of my 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 first test. Does this place have natural casing dogs? Because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to have a snap. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like at Frank's hot dogs in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, <laughs> but the O had great natural casing dogs. And um, it was also a perfect example of what we were talking about. Uh, the leveler uh, in, in, in the O. Everybody you know, showed up. Everybody yeah. was there, mm -hmm. you know, and, and sitting, sharing the table with you. And those places are very rare. Mm -hmm. and um you know and i i really like that there were you know um and uh you know i think the o got blamed for a lot of things in our <laughs> but um i mean ways can that. share a lot of blame on that <laughs> <laughs> the very first uh, show that i did in pittsburgh was called uh, transplant town mm -hmm. because in 1987 when i moved back to pittsburgh um, more organ transplants were done in Pittsburgh than any other city in the world. More organ transplants were done here than in the rest of the world combined. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah, it's amazing. We were the world's capital of organ transplants. And as part of that, we had arranged to uh, go in and videotape an operation with Dr. Starzl. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot to get, you know, all the permissions and the family notified that there's going to be a crew there and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And we had to be there at like 4 a.m. to get, you know, the correct garb on and all kinds of hair nets and that kind of stuff. And um, I would say about 6 a.m., uh, the word came down that the uh, donor organ wasn't going to make it. Mm. And so it had to all be canceled. And so, you know, 6.30 in the morning, um, and we sort of went up to Dr. Starzl's office, and he said, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really hungry. Let's go to the O. 
And I had never been to the O. I was a new guy in Pittsburgh. And so my first trip to the O was with Dr. Starzl. At that time, the O was open 24 hours a day. And, uh, you know, I remember going down there and we walked in and went, oh, I, I said, oh. I don't have any money. Uh, he said, I'll find a med student who'll lend me the money. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just uh, uh, that kind of a thing. I, you know, and over the years, they've been very, very nice to me. And, and, and really the story we did there, I, I'm still very, very proud of. So um, I wouldn't mind redoing hot dogs. I wouldn't mind redoing sandwiches because I still love a great sandwich. And um you know, I, I had one the other day at uh, Eat Unique on Craig Street. Um, mm. And uh, it was turkey and artichokes. And Ooh. Ooh. It was just really, it was moist and gooey and, you know, not too much bread. I, I worry that sandwich is going to have too much bread. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the big, biggest problem. <laughs> so quick question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, you know, um, I, I probably come down on the yes side. Yes. <laughs> you are in good company then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it's meat between two pieces of bread, you know? And Thank yes. you. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, and, and I can remember times when we were kids, you'd take a piece of white bread and just put the hot dog in it. Mm-hmm. You didn't need Also done that. <laughs> um, been there. But, uh, awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I say I've been a full blown adult and done that. Well, hey. <laughs> they still they still come in mismatched numbers sometimes so that's true yeah that is that's true. true yeah you, yeah, yeah you, you get 10 hot dogs and eight buns or <laughs> whatever yeah uh, but so. awesome well i think we're going to wrap up segment two right. and then we're going to come back with segment three and we've put a little game together for rick we're going to play a little would you rather and we have some hopefully you know, interesting questions for Rick, but also, you know, some that really make him debate. All right. So we'll be right back with segment three, right after okay. this. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies more your style? Then the folks over at They Call This A Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at theycallthisamovie.podbean.com. They Call This A Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Welcome back to episode 200 of the Hop Nation USA podcast. And we're still live with Pittsburgh legend Rick Seaback. And we're going to play a game this segment, and we're going to ask him, would he rather? But first, we, of course, are going to get to the beers that we're all drinking in this segment. And I will start with Adam this time. So before we get to that, I I wanted to mention some of the other shows that we are now on equal footing now that we have reached 200 episodes. Oh, fun Uh, facts. (laughs) We have the same number of episodes as Coach, Ah. Beavis and Butthead, Sailor Moon and that 70s show. Oh, great. <laughs> so we are upper echelon. Take that, Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> and how many years do we have to do this to get on the level of Simpsons? Oh. Well, <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure our children will have to take over eventually. Good enough. <laughs> but in episode 201, we will be on equal footing with The Office. Ah. So we'll, we'll take the power back from the eastern side of the state. But do you know how quickly we were able to beat the office British version? 
so fast. So fast. <laughs> so fast. <laughs> Unfortunately, Ricky, Ricky Gervais took all the money. Yeah, so yeah, none left for us. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, one thing or the other, you get either a whole bunch of episodes or you get the money. <laughs> I'll take the prestige, please. And thank you. All right. And I'll also take them? the beer. Yes. Uh, this is another uh, local favorite. This comes from hitchhiker. This is the shakes. This is a coffee porter uh, clocks in at 5.9. Uh, I mean, it's a porter. It's a good-looking unit. It's got that nice dark, and it's got a good roastiness to it. Uh, we've had the triple shakes on here before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just an absolute, you know, that's the kind of beer you need to plan ahead with a little bit. This one, not so much. This is just a good old-fashioned coffee porter. Uh, I like it. It has a good coffee nose to it. Uh, it. It does, on the taste, have a good bit of maltiness. It's just a good coffee porter. Uh, okay. Yeah, a hat tip to Hitchhiker, who, surprise, surprise, made another good beer. <laughs> yeah, I, if anybody doesn't know already, this show runs on coffee porters and coffee stouts, so you're yeah. rarely going to hear a bad word about either of those on this show. But if there is a bad word, we will tell you. Yeah, we'll let you Because we really like those. <laughs> yeah, we really like those, so we'd be super disappointed <laughs> if we found a bad one. <laughs> so interesting. Um, if I were in a bar, I would never order a coffee porter. Hmm. really Uh-oh. not even a porter i just find that they're heavy mm. in a way that i don't like a drink to be um you know, they're they're substantial right yes and uh i just i i don't know i've never stouts and porters just have never thrilled me yeah um, so. if you're sitting down with a stout or a porter like that's definitely you're either going dessert and you're ending your night on a dessert or you're headed towards like a big steak dinner that's what I think coffee porters and stouts go really well with is just like a nice big steak dinner and then you're headed for a nap. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, but oh, yeah. Coffee, I don't want it till the end of the meal. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's, I, I often remember I, uh, I, I've, been to, I've been to Ireland several times and I, one of the first times I was in uh, my, my great-grandmother on my mother's side is from uh, County Donegal which is up in the northwest corner of Ireland. It's, it's as far north as Northern Ireland, but it's not in Northern Ireland. Okay. It's still in Ireland. And uh, I, uh, in Donegal Town, uh, there's a great pub there. I've been several times, and I, I went in there the first time I ever went in, and I sat at the bar, and uh, the bartender said, what well, can I get you, or whatever. And I said, I'll have a Guinness. And... You know, he, he brought, he poured it and brought it over. And the old man sitting next to me said, just so you know, you don't drink Guinness here. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah? And he said, uh, it's from Dublin. It doesn't travel well. Oh. <laughs> and I said, you should taste it in America. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, Dublin is all of like two hours from <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> golf town, two or three hours at the max, um, and uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, so I, I I then switched to whatever everybody else was drinking, <laughs> you know, something more local. That's funny. It doesn't travel well. <laughs> <laughs> so for myself, I do have something that travels well enough because I switched. Usually I would say I'm switching to the rocket fuel on the third segment. 
Uh, but you know, I'm still also drinking on this wonderful Rick Seaback cocktail, which is way higher on ABV, but mm-hmm. I did switch to the rocket fuel as far as beer. And I have the Helltown uh, interdimensional pterodactyl, which is a triple hazy IPA. And it comes in at 10% on the ABV. Ooh boy. Uh, yeah. It's a nice big beer. And it, honestly, Adam, you know, we talk about how you don't like IPAs. Mm-hmm. Y- you could get by on this one though. Really? Yeah. Because again, it, it follows that rule of it's so big that it can't be bitter. Oh, does it kind of go into the like 120 minute IPA category? Yeah, absolutely. Like there's, there's a little bit of bitter hopness, but it is so big and malty as well that I don't think you would be that mad at it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I, if I had two of them, I don't think I'd be mad at anything. No, not at all. It's also 10%. So you'd be fine. (laughs) Have you altered the uh, color in that picture or orange? Yeah. The photo is a, uh, backlit with a, a, a red light, but I I'll, the social media will see some other photos that I've taken. But I just like because now it gives me a little flare in my background. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's a it's good beer. Otherwise, uh, Rick, have you uh, do you have something you'd like to feature this segment? Well, I mean, uh, this is another uh, one of the wonderful things I picked up from uh, Pete Kurzweig at Ooh, yes. Brewing, and uh, it's from Grist House. Um, you know, uh, Millville always near and dear to my heart <laughs> and, uh, it's conspiracy tangle. Uh, it's a new England IPA, uh, 7.2 and, uh, I will, uh, give it a try. Nice. And, I, uh, I, uh, I was debating at the, uh, the beer store between this beer that I'm drinking now and the Grist House Phantom Stranger. So I'm glad I'm glad Rick brought on a Chris house because now we've hit pretty much every popular brewery yes. in Pittsburgh. Uh, I assume that was part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. You know, I even mentioned one from Rockville, Maryland. So right, uh, yeah. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Here, here. I have another sip of this as well. It's nice and beery after that strawberry sour, mm-hmm. which was so strawberry. And although called a sour, it was really sweet. Hmm. Um, yeah, we've we've noticed that it's not like a great naming convention because, <laughs> like, the one Adam was drinking, I guarantee, without tasting it, was more sweet than a lot of sours that you have. Oh, absolutely, yeah, hundred yeah. percent agree. Um, no, this this tastes like something that I could drink with a meal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, and really like it. And, yeah. and that's one of the things that we've noticed is is it's funny how certain beers will. You know, they skew themselves to certain things, whether it's, you know, kind of start the day or be part of the meal or be the dessert. And 20 years ago, you never had that with beer. No. 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 Yeah. Like beers now can actually just be the dessert. They don't have, you don't even have to order a piece of pie, but you can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or cheesecake, as would be my preference. But that's it. You could just go to, you know, have an 11th hour slice. Yeah. But like, and, and that would be your dessert right there. Yeah. But like I was just saying, like, I find coffee porters and stouts pair really well with steak. But like what would Rick is drinking, I would probably pair that with like a chicken dish of some sort. So, yeah. And, and what's fantastic is. Oh, go ahead. Rick. I'd, that I'd really like to do. I would really like to do a show on fried chicken. Mm. Ooh. 
If you need an associate producer, let me know. I'll work for a better <laughs> yeah. on that. Yeah. Just because, again, it's, it's some, you know, I think every culture does some fried chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, like chicken parm is fried chicken. Right. Um, you know, um, and Asian chicken is just amazing. Yeah, because you have like Korean fried chicken, and that's different from like tempura fried chicken. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to Chicken Bubbly in Oakland, but I have not. It's really, it's, I mean, it's it's wings. Um, Mm -hmm. You can also get takoyaki, little octopus balls. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, And uh, the bubbly that they're talking about is really uh, not beers, but uh, you know, uh, teas, milk teas with uh, oh the boba tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Those are delicious. All of those. Yeah. So taro milk tea is my order there. So yeah, that's really good. There, I, I found a place up on Robinson, uh, Saigon 88 Express, I believe. Uh, they do a really good taro milk in tea. Robinson? Yeah, in mm-hmm. Robinson. It's right on uh, Ohio River. Or, no, Steubenville Pike. Steubenville Pike. Thank you. Not Ohio River Boulevard. <laughs> that's a completely it's, different part of town. Yeah. Uh, Steubenville Pike. It's right along there. It's Saigon a, 88. Uh, mm-hmm. Saigon Express, actually. Oh. I don't think it's. I don't think it's there's Saigon. A, there's a there's a, uh, a Vietnamese restaurant on Route 88 in Castle Shannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to live next to that place, and I love that place. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there many times myself. I really like it. Yeah. Folk. Uh, folk. Uh, fuck him. 88. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. They have they have great sushi as well as on top of Vietnamese food. But uh, all right, we we're doing super <laughs> local. <laughs> like restaurant stuff. At this point, this episode is just for us. Yeah, it really. <laughs> but, uh, let's get into the game we prepared. Uh, right. Rick, we've prepared a would you rather scenarios, a number of would you rather scenarios for you. And uh, I'll just start off really simply. Would you rather never have a hot dog again or never be able to use Heinz products again? How can you, how can you answer that without getting in trouble? Exactly. <laughs> Sorry to put you in the hot seat, but that's the game. <laughs> um, I would give up the Heinz products before I give up the hot dogs. Um, because, I mean, the Heinz product, I think that we all love the most is ketchup, and I don't want that on a hot dog. Mm. Mm. There are other mustards that I've come to love more than Heinz mustard. Mm-hmm. And actually, I find that, you know, I'm more interested in a pickle that would come from a small company yeah and a giant you know and on top of that there are no heinz products made in pittsburgh now right and so you know you can you can give yourself a little leeway there i mean i i know that we're all very you know loyal to heinz ketchup but you know it's made in uh, fairmont ohio or something it's not made here um and uh you know i uh yeah, before I'd give up, certainly before I'd give up natural tasting wieners, <laughs> I would give up the Heinz condiments to put on them. Yeah, the I, snap is strong. Yeah. But it's a good question. Yeah. I, hey, I'm right there with you, and it really is the crux of whether or not you want the ketchup, because I'm a, either a mustard and sauerkraut or just a chili and cheese hot dog mm. guy. So I'm not really interested in ketchup either. So Well, the thing is, I mean, ketchup – Maybe for fries, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I still love ketchup on fries, but I, I can also go with mayo. Hey, uh, honey mustard is actually pretty good with fries too. If you want to try that out. So right. actually I'll go sweet and sour sauce, like a, yep. a fast food, oh, sweet and sour sauce with, well. with French fries. Yeah. yeah. 
You know what? But I, you could also make some concoction. I mean, you know, ketchup is really like a, it's an Asian food, I think, originally that had all kinds of, you know, you could do something probably with fish sauce and more anchovies and <laughs> onions and garlic and that kind of thing and make your own really wild ketchup, uh, you know. Oh, for sure. So I can say that and, you know. <laughs> And there, yeah. you can also just like make uh, like the boom boom sauce, which is usually just mayo and sriracha or some sort of mm. hot sauce stored in stirred in together. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. But a great question. OK, good deal. Good deal. Adam, do you have a would you rather for Rick? As a matter of fact, I do. All right. Rick, would you rather have an open free ticket to all shows and sporting events in Pittsburgh or an open table at every restaurant in Pittsburgh? No question. It's tables. That one's not even hard. <laughs> I mean, you could count the number of sporting events I've been to, you know, on my two hands. Um, it, uh, and you know what? And many of them have been for work. Um, mm -hmm. It's when, when, when you do what I do, you realize that, you know, I, I early on realized that there are enough people covering sports mm -hmm. that I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> You know, all you have to do is jump on Twitter to realize that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, and I know people are very passionate about it, but uh, you know, um, I look at the sports section, but just glancing. You know, you want to, you want to. I mean, I think everybody, or at least I always think, you want to be well rounded. So you want to have a little bit of that knowledge, and you want to be able to. And and I adore the effect that sports have on this town of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, when we're in a championship, this town is like levitated. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. And, and I like that. Work is so much easier when the Pens are winning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because everybody has something to talk hey, about. Everybody's right. in a good mood. <laughs> Stanley Cup time, if we're there, it's just amazing. It is. You know, every, everybody's in a, in a sparkle kind of mood. There's yeah. an electricity in the air. Yes, totally. You know, if we're going to the Super Bowl – um, actually, I don't know, Ernie Ricci, who has Ricci Sausage out in Kennedy Township, he talked to me about, you know, how that football, making the playoffs really affects his business. Oh, I'm sure. You oh, know? I believe like, it. Big time. Yeah, the number of parties, the number of cookouts. playoff game, he, he, you know, he reaps in uh, all kinds of benefits because people come to get sausage to serve at their parties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. All right, Rick, I, ha I have one that might be a little harder for you. All right. Uh, you go back in time 400 years to see what the confluence looked like before it was Pittsburgh, or you can go forward 150 years to see what Pittsburgh becomes. And it's just kind of like a one hour, almost like walking tour, just to you know, get a sense of how the city was before it was a city or how the city will be in the future. Hmm. Um. What's 400 years, 720, 1721. Yeah. Yeah. So like probably even before there's, a, there was just a Fort Pitt. You're just seeing. Oh yeah. Wait. Yeah. Several decades before. Yeah. Um, I've considered that. I, I, I like that idea. Um, I'm trying to think if I can remember the guy's name. I, I've never found this. I've read about it, but uh, the first description of the point by a European um, is a fur trader from Detroit traveling to Philadelphia. I and it, 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 I mean, I like it for several different reasons. His name is Michel Bessayon. 
Okay. Um, and uh, his name is spelled a thousand different ways that <laughs> you can find Michael Bazillion or, you know, but uh, I like Michael pretty- Bazillion. That's great. <laughs> That's a good um, DJ name. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, I, I don't think before I read about him that I realized that, you know, we think of everything west of here as being newer, mm-hmm. but Detroit is older. And that's because it was French and it's, you know, right. it so close to Canada. That was New France. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the United States yet. But Detroit is an older city than Pittsburgh. And uh, the Bessayons or the Bazillions <laughs> helped found Detroit. And apparently his brother was working in Philadelphia and he was traveling to see him. And he described, he goes, oh, there's this place where two rivers come together. And, you know, um, it's it's just you know a sort of beautiful phenomenon and he, you know it it was enough for him to write about um, that's the first known description of the point and that's you know I'm gonna say that's around 1720 or about the time we're talking about you know mm-hmm. I, I might choose that I might choose the old rather than the new um, because. We might be disappointed by the new. <laughs> hey, I totally um, get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I do as well. The the the, uh, the untouched uh, nature. Yeah. I mean, I always say it's it. Um, I, I can ask you guys a trivia question. Okay. You know, um, we all know uh, about the forts that were built at the point. Do you know the name of the first fort built at the point? Oh, mm. it's not, it's not Fort Liberty, is it? No. Okay. Then I, I'm out. It was, it, if I remember correctly, it was French, correct? No. Oh, well, then I'm right out. <laughs> no. The first, point, the first fort built at the point was called Fort Prince George, and we never hear about it. Oh, all right. You know? No, I never knew that was a thing. Yeah, no, and the, the only reason I, I, I was in a bookstore one time and I saw a book that was like a tr- uh, posters of American railroads. Hmm. And, and I thought, oh, I wonder if there are any pictures of Pittsburgh. And uh, it was a Pennsylvania Railroad poster that included uh, people at the point building Fort Prince George. And I thought, I've never even heard of Fort Prince George. <laughs> But it was like 40 uh, Virginians who had come mm-hmm. up here um, after George Washington had been here. You know, George Washington gives an early description of looking down from Mount Washington to the confluence and seeing that and saying, oh, you know, this is a strategic point that people should you know, know about. I say, you know, the Native Americans were smart enough to not build anything there. Because it flooded all the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, bring on the Europeans who were going to build anywhere. <laughs> um, but, you know, and that, that's a, obviously a huge problem. And still they, until, you know, the 1950s and 60s, when they start building dams way up the rivers to control them. Um, the, Even uh, still today, though, there's sometimes you can't park. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> We live in the in the, probably the only city in America where the, you know, uh, 
morning weather report includes a report about us parking garage. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Mon Wharf is closed today. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, 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 I like the idea of seeing it uh, before there's anything. And, you know, but there must have been other, there were things to see, I think, and and certainly to see it, you know, in its pristine condition. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that could be cool. But Fort Prince George, they started to build it. it was forty Virginians, and while they were working on Fort Prince George, one day they looked up the Allegheny, and there were five hundred canoes and like thirty boats full of Frenchmen coming down. There. Oh wow! <laughs> and they said. Uh, we'd rather you not be here. <laughs> and the Virginian said, okay. Now, the French may have used some of the, their work to build Fort Duquesne. Mm. But that comes first. So, you know, you're right. Of the forts we know, the first one was French, Fort mm -hmm. Duquesne. Um, and, uh, you know, and then the British get upset about that. That's the whole French and Indian War. And, Braddock comes and he tries to get them to leave, but he's a total disaster. And he's, <laughs> you know, um, he doesn't, he only gets as far as what is now Braddock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then when John Forbes comes, he, uh, he makes it all the way, but they were, the French had a similar reaction when they realized how many British troops were coming with Forbes and sort of said like, ooh, we won't get out of, oh, get out of the way. <laughs> this is a problem. Um, there, there wasn't a battle for Fort Duquesne. They just, they burned they it just and left. got out. <laughs> um, but, you know, there was the big battle before that. And I, I, I always think some of this, I think, could interest kids in high school. And it's not really taught. But um, when Forbes stopped, I think like, he may have been at Ligonier or something like that he sent out an advance party to sort of see what they could see. And uh, that's General Grant, not Ulysses S. Grant. Oh, mm -hmm. I was going to be my, my next question. A little early. <laughs> yeah. I believe it's James Grant that he sends out, who's a Scotch, a Scots guy, a general. And uh, he has, I want to say he has 800 men and they come into town and, uh check out the scene see what they can see and uh grant says i think we can do this <laughs> and it has to be the bloodiest day in pittsburgh history uh the french and indians attack grant and they slaughter like 300 of his 500 men or 800 men oh my and uh you know we and we named grant street after him mm. <laughs> he lived he was taken prisoner, but he lived, and then eventually he's let go. Um, but in re you can read all kinds of things about this in the French and Indian War and stuff like that. But um, then when the French realize the force that's coming with Forbes, of which Grant was just an advance party, um, they get out. But, and I don't know why, but I always think of this as being the troop Forbes and his men coming down the boulevard to the allies. <laughs> you know, it, it was an Indian trail. They were coming down. We now, you know, then later are named the Forbes road, but uh, the, uh, the French and Indian had put the heads of all the men they killed on stakes. So Oof. that when they came into town, that was intimidating. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, just that little detail 
I think if I were in high school, that might get me to pay more attention to history. That would absolutely hook somebody. Yeah. Make somebody stand up and go, oh, wow, that's... <laughs> so. Adam, do you have another would you rather for Rick? Oh, absolutely. Would you rather travel to Germany to do a documentary on beer or all of America for a documentary on pizza? <laughs> I think I go pizza. <laughs> In fact, I proposed that at one point. Um, and uh, just talking the other day about possible things that we can start up now, you know, with a little loosening of the pandemic and everything. Uh, I, I have some, before I did a, a series of seven, eight shows called Nebby. Mm-hmm. For that, I did some local shows. These were all half hours. I did a show called It's Pittsburgh and a lot of other stuff. And um, as part of that, I had put ideas up on the wall in the editing room, and some of them are still there. And one of them that I still like is Pizzaburg. Oh, uh, ooh. You know, just do a show about pizza in Pittsburgh. Um, and uh, Hal Klein, I don't know if you know the writer, Hal Klein, a food writer. He's been writing for Pittsburgh Magazine, but he does lots of stuff online too. And he's a great writer and he really knows his stuff. And he's been writing a lot about um, the effect of places like. Uh, uh, police station pizza in Ambridge. Oh yeah! Wow. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Influenced pizza all the way down the Ohio Valley, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, Beto's in Mount Lebanon with cold right. cheese. And I, I was trying to talk to somebody, and I said, "There's another place in Washington, PA, Osso's, and they okay. also put the cheese on late. Yeah, it's not cold, but uh, you know, uh, and I just think it could be a good show. I mean, I you know, I have my favorites." Uh, and, and my cameraman, Frank, as a kid, had his own pizza shop in Penn Hills <laughs> called Visano Pizza. Okay. And I, I know that he would love it because he's very picky about pizza. He's totally a Fiori's mm. or Ooh. Napoli pizza in the Miracle Mile in Monroeville. And, um, you know, but uh, I also like Ironborn. I got an Ironborn pizza for my editor and me the other day. And I don't know if you know those. There's one in Millvale. There's one in the Strip. It's Detroit-style pizza. Here we yes. are. Detroit. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, it's a very thick, but when you when you get it, 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 it somewhat collapses. It's 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 but it's a high puffy pizza. Yeah, it's very it's very airy in the dough, mm-hmm. but yes. yeah, you can squish it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. I I do like Detroit-style. I mean, like even Jets, even though it's a chain. You know, there's. <laughs> I a don't Jets. know that at all. Is there Jets? Uh, yeah. They're on Banksville Road, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Jets is on Banksville. Yeah, and there might be know. another one, but yeah, there's a Jets in Banksville, and it's it's chain pizza, but it's chain Detroit style, and it's mm-hmm. pretty good. I enjoy it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I you know earlier he said something about you can get a slice, and I love slice pizza too, which is in uh, Beachview, mm-hmm. and I don't know if, if they still got a place in. Uh, you know, uh, PNC Park, they were there. For, you know, now I, you, there's so many things that I don't know the status of. Right. Because of the pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. And actually, my cameraman, Frank, who I just mentioned, who had the pizza place when he was a kid, um, he, he sent me a picture <laughs> because he knows my predilections. It, um, it, it's soft shell crab season. And Ooh. he sent me a picture of some soft shell crabs from Woolies. Yeah. And uh, he said, there's a sign in Parma Sausage that says for lease. Oh, and, uh, hmm. that to me is uh, on the scale of the O. Yeah, mm-hmm. are we going to lose Parma sausage? 
Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. I, I don't know the story. I, you know, and I haven't had time to check up or, you know, see if I can contact somebody in the family or something. But oh my god, that's an yeah. institution at this point. Yeah, yeah. I would, yeah. I would, I would hate to see Parma sausage. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're moving to a different location or something like I that. I hope be yeah. okay. I, I just don't want them to leave town. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a shame to lose them. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's a downer. I don't. Want, I don't want to end <laughs> on a downer. All right, I'll, I'll I'll bring this up. If you had to have a choice between New York style, Chicago style, or Detroit style pizza, oh. which would you go with? That's a hard one. Um, um, I, I mean, having just talked about Detroit, I. I still might say if it, you know, if it's if it's got to be just one, I might go to New York. I mean, Chicago is just so weird, and it's I, a lot. It's a it lot. is a lot. You have to be in the right frame of yes. mind for Chicago yeah. style pizza. You got to be in like buffet mindset. To, <laughs> to put, one of, <laughs> put one of those. Down. Nobody's walking away from this one. Yeah, I'm, you know, and I'm 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 trying to think. I don't know. Who's got New York style pizza in Pittsburgh? I'm not really sure whether you consider, you know, is Fiori's New York style? Yeah, I would guess so. Maybe even or, uh, Pizza Sola in the South Side. Oh yeah, they. I might consider them New York style just because they also sell by the slice, and it's usually a really big slice. <laughs> so I, I might go Pizza Sola, but I mean, I, I like that as far yeah. as getting by after the night. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm certainly one who, who worries about the toppings and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as I can have sausage and anchovies, I'm good. Nice. nice. All right. That's a good That's order. My, those, those are my favorite toppings. That's a good order. I, I like a good uh, bacon and anchovy. <laughs> oh, that sounds good too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll I, admit, I'm a, I'm a bacon and pineapple man myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm pro pineapple. I, <laughs> I will defend um, I, it to I, my death. A guy I knew who I worked with in South Carolina just posted a uh, a picture. He had made clam and hmm. uh, porchetta. That that sounded pretty. Ooh, good. that sounds clam and porchetta. I think that mix, which I think is sort of traditionally Portuguese or something, clam and ham together. Mm-hmm. It would, I I think it would work though because it sounds oh, yeah. it sounds very salty. Like it sounds like a very salty slice, but I'd be into it. <laughs> All I right, clam pizza. I, I I always dream about. I don't know if, I, if I've ever really had one. Actually, there, there's a place now in White Oaks that has clam pizza. Oh, okay. Oh, all so, right. Well, then road yeah. trip planned. Yeah. <laughs> and I found out about it because of Hal Klein's writings about pizza. Oh, okay. So it all comes full circle back to Hal Klein and his love for pizza. pizza. Rocket pizza in White Oaks. So. Rocket pizza. Cool. But I also think I think we could do a great program about Pittsburgh chocolate places. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we have great chocolate shops here. Oh yeah, Saris, and then yeah. the yeah, uh, the little ones like Dorothy's in White Oak, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's Betsy Ann up in Westview. I done a story there, but I could do another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think there are a couple places out there near Hanky Farms. Out that way, there's some other <laughs> yes. shops. Oh, yeah. And I think there's there's like one in Uniontown. I wish I could remember the name. But it's a candy shop that they do a lot of stuff. I, yes, I, I believe you're right. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it, though. There's also a good fried chicken place. That It's just like a truck stop. It's great. I used to, <laughs> when, when I used to do deliveries, I used to stop there. But. It's the bottom of the Uniontown Hill, isn't it? 
Uh, I believe so. And it's like, if you know where that Walmart is, that's just right on 51, you know, in the middle of Uniontown, it's, yeah, it's, it's right across from it, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Again, we're <laughs> super local. Um, hey. Yeah. But, you know, I, I want to take the time. I want to say thank you, Rick, for coming on the show. It was a great hey, time. Thank you guys for having me. I want to give you all the time you can to just like plug whatever you have coming up any kind of if you want to plug the drink again if you want to plug shows coming up on wqed anything you want to your twitch oh, channel I, for charities, your records anything like that yeah. the the mic I, is I, yours i would say i i would definitely mention the the uh the the, the rick seaback uh cocktail is uh at independent brewing in squirrel hill it's on uh, shady avenue yeah there we go and uh i don't know if you know this guy who did the label um Mark Buckholtz, he's he goes by the alternate histories is the name of his business, but he uh, he does really cool things with monsters and everything. He made that picture of me, sort of as a monster coming out of the mon about five or six years ago, and I remembered it when they started talking about a label, and I said, if you're talking to Mark, remind him of that picture he did of me because I really liked it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I've been working for about oh I'm gonna say three weeks now on a. An assignment, QED, um, about uh, doing a, a short history of WQED. And it's been more fun than I ever could imagine. So um, uh, I'm calling it a very short, a very quick history of an unusual television station. And uh, actually, it's going to premiere, I think, online um, as part of our annual report. That's uh, where the assignment came from, just to have something in our annual report about the history. And at first I was going to try and do 15 minutes, but it's hard to do 67 years in 15 minutes. Yeah, but that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we've kept it under 30. So uh, I think that's, uh, you know, that will be coming up and it will air eventually, but it will probably be online before it's available on TV, which is the modern world. And um you know, uh, I, I'm also, I, I put aside a project that I'd started a little bit earlier in the pandemic. Um, in 1989, I got to interview Lo, uh, August Wilson uh, in New York when he was doing piano lesson. Uh, he was Pittsburgher of the Year for Pittsburgh Magazine. We used to do a show every year about the Pittsburgher of the Year. So we went to New York uh, to talk to him. And uh, it's a really interesting point in his career. He's won one Pulitzer Prize. He would win one the next year for piano lesson, which he's working on when I talk to him. Um, but, you know, he's just uh, an interesting, very interesting guy who wrote a lot about Pittsburgh, even though by then he had left Pittsburgh, you know, first he went to Minneapolis and then he ends up in uh, Seattle. Uh, that's, you know, uh, but uh, then he comes back here and he's buried here. I will have that August Wilson thing eventually finished. And uh, that's, you know, my, my next project. Um, and, uh, who knows what comes after that? I don't know. Um, you know, if, I, if I'm lucky, we'll do a national show about numbered highways, but nothing is for certain. And, uh, you know, it could be fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> why not both? If Yeah, why not both? But if I'm, push if I'm pushing for one, I'm pushing for fried chicken. I'm, it's, you know, an, an interest of mine. <laughs> well, I'm going to be the contrarian and say, if I'm pushing for one, I'm pushing for numbered highways. All right. <laughs> I have a genuine interest in that. I'll be honest. I know you do. I know you watch that uh, America show on the Discovery Channel that has like the flyover drone footage all the time. Uh, that's that's on uh, Nat Geo. 
whatever. Aerial America. Yeah. That's a good way to spend a Saturday morning. <laughs> well, I, it could be Pizzaburg. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd watch that too. I'll be honest. Into that as well. <laughs> All right. I thank you guys very much. It was, yes. it was an enjoyable, totally enjoyable evening. Yes. Uh, the, the pleasure is all ours. Trust exactly. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's all on us. We love having you on, and we could have listened to you for three more hours talk about the history of Pittsburgh and everything around Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I don't think there's a better resource. It, you know, you being a documentarian, there's no better resource for things about Pittsburgh and just the culture. And I, I feel bad for other cities that don't have a Rick Seaback who is willing to champion Pittsburgh the way you do. Well, so, thanks, yeah. Yeah. And now we have our own archive of Rick Seaback stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and we will not be deleting that. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Seaback has his Wendy King stuff. We have Rick Seaback talking about Wendy King. It all goes in a chain. <laughs> One day, somebody will interview Adam about Hop Nation USA. <laughs> But if you want to find Hop Nation USA, all you have to do is search Hop Nation USA on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and that'll get you all those social medias. And if you want to listen to brand new episodes of Hop Nation USA podcast every Friday, as you should, then search Hop Nation USA in your favorite podcatcher, including Stitcher, Podbean, Google Music, Apple Music, Spotify, Player FM. Man, I got to really remember a lot of these better. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're on any of those platforms, leave a five-star review because... We are a six canoes coming down the Allegheny show, but they only let us (laughs) use five. And that's a bigger crime than not hitting all of the pizza places that you can in Pittsburgh because we don't have a style the same way we don't have a style for barbecue. We just kind of take what, you know, comes to us and... We just do whatever with it. <laughs> Make it there's, good. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of different Pittsburgh pizza styles. There's a lot of different Pittsburgh barbecue styles. You can have find everything. And there's also a lot of good Thai food. I don't know why that is, but it's there. <laughs> and I love it. Because I love Thai food. That's right. Zero complaints in this yeah. category. Yeah. No complaints on <laughs> cultural uh, diversity as far as food goes. But well, then I say you know, you have to try Maynam Thai and Blonox. That's okay. my favorite. Okay. And, uh, I just wanted to say, you know, congratulations. Happy 200. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. Greatly appreciate that. I was, I was a big fan of Thai cuisine in Lawrenceville. That was my number one for a long time. Oh, see, yeah. I'm, I'm a Thai gourmet in Bloomfield. Oh, okay. I love that place too. And that's really convenient for us from Oakland. Yeah. But uh, Thai gourmet or Maynam Thai, but uh, yeah, I'll try any Thai. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's all great food. But uh, yeah, stick with us. This was episode 200. That means we're moving on to 200 more. And uh, hopefully we'll get to back out the beer fest. We'll get out the breweries. Hopefully we'll get to see Rick around at some of the beer fests coming up, especially in September, because boy, oh boy, there's a whole bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to take the month of September off. Oh, it's, it's wet September and we already called it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you for everybody for uh, sticking with us for 200 episodes. Uh, thank you for making the show what it is. Uh, without you, the listeners, we wouldn't be here. We would just be yelling into the void about nothingness. Yes. So thank you for sticking with us. Uh, if you have any questions, if you want to hear us talk about anything, hopnationusa at gmail.com or it is on a social media. Just let us know. We'll talk about it. We don't mind. Indeed. And uh, with that, we'll see you for 201. And I can guarantee within the next 10 episodes, we'll be back in a brewery. How about that? 
<laughs> That's a Steve guarantee. Guarantee. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.